0: I was telling Sister Tracy as we were driving to church this morning, maybe I'm revealing some secrets about preaching, but maybe it's okay to do that. But a lot of times at the first of the week, I mean, a subject will just hit me, and I'll be, I'll be like, ah, oh, that's it. And then I'll suddenly I'll grow 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I'm going to go in there gunslinging like John Wayne, you know, and shooting and telling everybody what's what, and this is how it's supposed to be. That's how I go through that. Thank God that hits me at the beginning of the week. And I start getting smaller and smaller and smaller throughout the week. So we don't want a gunslinger to come in here shooting holes in the walls and in people. And we want to focus on God's love and repentance, as Brother Luke has done. If you'll look in your Bibles to Jeremiah 6. And as you look there, I'm telling you, you may be visiting here today. You may be a regular here today. You may be semi-regular. I want you to know I love you. I love you. Every time that my dad would take out the switch, I've told you that story. He'd take the switch out and he'd wear me out, probably not enough. And I'd be crying and whimpering and he'd look at me and he'd say, now son, come here give me a hug. Tell me that you love me. That was the hardest thing to do. So maybe the, I'm not saying this is going to be a spanking here today. That's not, that's not the title of the sermon, the spanking. <laughs> the name of this sermon is Knowing When to be ashamed, knowing when to be ashamed. Let's look at Jeremiah 6, and we're going to wind up on one of Brother Furman's favorite verses, but we're going to read a few before it. Jeremiah 6, verse 10. To whom shall I speak and give warning that they may hear? Behold, their ear is uncircumcised, and they cannot hearken. Behold, the word of the Lord is unto them a reproach. They have no delight in it. Therefore, Jeremiah says, I am full of the fury of the Lord. I am weary with holding in. I will pour it out upon the children abroad and upon the assembly of the young men together. For even the husband with the wife shall be taken, the age with him that is full of days. And their houses shall be turned unto others with their fields and wives together. For I will stretch out my hand upon the inhabitants of the land, saith the Lord. For from the least of them, even unto the greatest of them, every one is given to covetousness. And from the prophet, even unto the priest, every one dealeth falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. And here's one of Brother Furman's favorite verses, and mine too. Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. You notice the whole teaching there by the prophet is about These people that I'm dealing with, and I'm not talking about anybody here, but he's dealing with people that did not even know to be ashamed for the way they were acting. If we don't realize that is the time that we're living in, the last thing I want to get up here and do is to attack a straw man and say, all these people are doing this. That's not the purpose of preaching. That's not the purpose. I'm not talking to straw men. I'm talking to God's people that I love. But we need to be constantly reminded about things that are sinful and things that are good. Sin and righteousness. Clean, unclean, holy, and profane. So I want to give you some homework today. I don't usually do that. I want to give you some homework. I want you to go home this next week and have your little piece of paper. I would do it in the notes on my iPad or my iPhone. And I want you to make notes and take note of throughout the week of everything that you encounter that is profane or unclean. From the shows that you watch or binge watch to the thought processes that you have and the things that come at you, the people you encounter, it sounds a little bit legalistic, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I hope when we get to the end here, you'll understand it's not legalistic at all. It's it's biblical to understand. And know when to be ashamed of things. There's very little shame out in the world today. If you think about things that there is no shame attached to today as opposed to 20 years ago or 30 years ago. And that is not the standard. The time that has passed is not the standard. The Word of God is the standard. So who defines what is holy and what is profane? What is clean and what is unclean? If we submit ourselves to the Word of God, it's a very easy answer. God defines that. Years and years ago, before my time, back in the days, maybe 100 years ago, whenever juveniles would get in trouble, I've been prosecuting in juvenile court for close to 20 years. I requested that to try to help young people. And 100 years ago or 75 years ago, there was no restriction in the community when someone was a juvenile committed a crime or something. It was known or it was even sometimes publicized. Some papers will publish, you know, who's been arrested or whatever. Well, it's against the law to do that now because it's a closed proceeding. If you come down to court and you want to go to court with me, it can't be on a day that we go to juvenile court because only court personnel are allowed in the court. But here's the point. There was a time that, regardless of your age, the stigma of doing wrong was something that brought shame. Now, I get it. We're protecting the juvenile's identity. I'm not advocating to remove what we do. I'm just saying there's less stigma associated with committing a crime, especially if you're a juvenile, because it's kept secret, it's kept hidden. But there was a time whenever, you know, it was whether it was juvenile, adult, whatever, it was known and there was a stigma with it. So, who defines Is it society? Is it politics? Lord, help us. It can't be politics. It's so funny to think about the term politically correct, to think about something correct coming from an area of life that is so corrupt. It's almost a misnomer. It's almost humorous to think we're going to be politically correct whenever politics is so vitriolic. See? So God defines these things. Now, I want you to think about this is not a political rant because some of the things we'll touch on. You, ha- well, you will hear about those things in politics. But remember this, the politicization of issues is Satan's tactic. You know, the fact that abortion is a political, everybody thinks it's a political issue. That's Satan's tactic to take your mind away from the real issue, which is a biblical issue. It's a God issue. It's not a political issue. See? So Satan, when you hear those issues being politicized, Satan has hijacked the conversation, the argument, and brought it over into a different arena. So we'll separate those things in our mind. We can't allow that to happen as children of God. For years, and th- here's another point, another example. For years, I've counseled husbands and wives. If there was issues, they might come to see me and say, "Hey, what about?" As a matter of fact, I haven't. We, we don't do divorces at my law office. And I've had on many occasions, a husband or a wife come in and say, hey, I need you to do me a divorce. I'm like, I'm sorry, we don't do them, but I'll be happy to counsel you for free. <laughs> and there's been occasions whenever we've been blessed to save marriages that way. Uh, the person comes there for a divorce. They wind up leaving with an appointment with Brother Tim for counseling. <laughs> but here's how I have been able to make headway in terrible circumstances with husbands and wives. I said, okay, you've got your position and wife's got her position. Husband's got her position his position. Well, this day and time, you never know. (laughs) (laughs) So you got your issue. He's got his issue. Let's lay those down and let's bring our issues before the word of God. See what the word of God says about your issue. You may lose some steam on some of your issues. (laughs) So the Word of God is that which defines what is right and what is wrong. Now, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, were, they were contemporaries. A lot of the same things that they were experiencing in society and the culture and so forth, they were preaching about some of the similar things. So you'll find a lot of similarities in Ezekiel and in Jeremiah. Ezekiel was a prisoner down at the River Kebar who'd been taken captive and taken away a thousand miles away from the Promised Land, from Israel, over to Babylon. And Jeremiah, as we read this morning, he was preaching prior to that captivity this was before they had gone into captivity and the nation had been wiped out by Nebuchadnezzar. But they had very similar issues. If you can read along with me in Ezekiel 22, verse 24, listen to what God says to the prophet Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed. We're talking about clean versus unclean, holy versus profane, nor reigned upon in the day of indignation. Ezekiel 22, verse 24. Now we're on 25. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. Watch what they've done. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. That's so sad. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And they have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. You see the issue that's going on here, the Lord has a controversy and he is specifically looking to the men of God that are required to relate the the meaning of the law of God to the people and they just weren't doing it. The priests back in those days, back in those days, it was the priests, the Levitical line that handled the the sacrifices and so forth. And then there were the prophets. Some of the prophets occasionally were Levites, but many times you'll find the prophets were other uh, of the other tribes. But today we would say the preacher. Back then they said the priests and the prophets. And the Lord has a controversy here with the priests and with the prophet. He said they are profaning my Sabbath. They are bringing that, to profane means to dirty something or to pollute it. And so they're bringing it down to a lower level than it should be. <laughs> now I want you to think about this. You've heard the old saying, you know, where you say, well, ignorance is bliss. That's not in the Bible, but the meanings of it can certainly be found in the Bible. There are some times in the Bible where you find people that were completely ignorant of what was right and what was wrong. And did you know that God holds that person in many ways less accountable than He does a person who's been instructed and should know or does know the difference between right or wrong? You know, He says that in the Scripture. Jesus said that Himself. You know, if you've been instructed, of whom much is given, much is required. So some of you may say, well... You know, if it's going to be that much I've got to uh, be concerned with as an old Baptist, maybe I better not be one. <laughs> I hope you don't feel that way. Because we're not talking about what I feel like is right and what I feel like is wrong. We're talking about the glory of God. That's my only concern. If we step on toes or get to the heart, we're, we're just concerned with the glory of God. And it's important. It's important. I'm going to give you some examples in the Scripture of people that we're not aware and I go back to this a lot, and you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to briefly mention it. Genesis 34 is a prime example of a young man who was the best of that culture, the best of that nation, and he was a rapist. It says in Genesis 34 that Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, went out to see the daughters of the land. And I don't have time to go into the ins and outs of how those cultures function, but there was a very, there were several, but there was there are some very glaring reasons why the Lord wanted those cultures and those nations wiped out so He could start over in the promised land. For one thing, women in those cultures were considered property. They were just considered property. If you had a wife, she was your property. Now that that really flies in the face of women's lives today, doesn't it? So, in these cultures, a woman or a young girl could go out in the street by herself and be walking down the street by herself or with a group of young women, and a young man set his eye upon her and just take her and violate her. There was no crime, there was no punishment. You know why? Because they were property. So that's exactly what happens to Dinah. You've heard a prince and a princess story. Well, this is the the prince and the princess story gone wrong. (laughs) So the best of the land, it says that in Genesis 34, it says that this young man who violated her was the best that they had. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you've looked around you lately, and I'm not just picking on the guys, but you can pick on the girls too, but we're we're in a society very much like that where the best that there is to offer among the society, among the culture are no better than this rapist. Now, this this guy who was a rapist did not have a cell phone to look at different images and things on his phone. This could be a guy or a girl nowadays. It doesn't matter anymore. He did not have the images to look on his cell phone. He could just see those images in person and live in color, as they say. So, nowadays, it is no different, as Brother Luke has already shared, the pornography and the things that you say, well, as long as I look but don't touch, then that person has not read Matthew 5. (laughs) Because Jesus dispels all ideas of look, but don't touch, and it's okay. To think about those things and to view those things is destructive and sinful and profane in the eyes of God. So here's a young man who violates the sanctity and the purity of this young woman on a whim. I like her. She's nice looking. (laughs) And of course, you know what happens there. A legalist would come along and say, oh boy, those brothers did the right thing. They wiped out a whole nation. Well, that's what a legalist would say. It was a great reproach. You know, you ever heard two wrongs don't make a right? (laughs) Well, the wrong that the young man did to Dinah paled in comparison to what the brothers, her brothers did to that nation and destroyed them. They lied and they tricked them. There were ways to remedy this. My goodness, Jacob was the friend of God. He could have looked to God and said, Lord, remedy this. He would have remedied it. (laughs) So the point is this. That young man had no concept of what was right or wrong. And young women, young men, I'm telling you, I'm warning you. You need to be careful out there today. You need to be careful when you are alone with someone. Because unless you are certain of the value system of that person you could wind up in a situation like Dinah wound up in. Because out in the world today, and all the pornography and all of the skin that is shown and all of the things that are out there, it just, just comes natural. They don't even think about it. People don't even think about it. You better make sure that the value system is a biblical value system. You say, well, Brother Tim, I'll never meet anybody. That is not true. <laughs> that is not true. You will. By the grace of God and praying to God and flowing out from the kingdom of God and the biblical value system of God, you will meet somebody. (laughs) You just got to do it God's way and not Dinah's way who separated herself from the protection of her fathers and her brothers. And she put herself in a dangerous situation and she didn't even know it. I mean, I don't want to be too graphic, but you can imagine, she probably thought it was all fun and games. Oh, he's after me. He likes me. He's the prince. We're alone. The Next thing you know, her life is ruined. Y'all are quiet this morning. I'll tell you what, I'll let y'all try preaching sometime, preaching these subjects that come to mind. and <laughs> See how easy it is. But I do think that, and you've told me before, that you want me to preach what the Lord lays on my heart and what is biblical and also to do it in a loving and a kind way. So you, you can disagree with me this morning on any of this stuff, but I'm just coming to you from the Word of God, and it's only because I love you. It's only because I love you the young man when he was made aware that he had done something that was profane and unclean. He tried to make it right. Praise God. He was the best of their society and he violated the purity of this young woman. But he tried to make it right. See, when he was made aware, this is wrong. This is a a terrible crime. It's not just a violation. It's a crime. You see? You think hashtag me too is something new? This goes way back... (laughs) Not long after the fall of the Garden of Eden and men began to take multiple wives unto themselves because they were just nothing more in their minds than property. Lord, help us. Okay, another example, very quickly, Daniel, the first chapter. You got all of these people that were taken captive, not just from Israel, but from other countries. And they come together there and there's three young men. There's really four, Daniel, and then three other young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I'm just going to give you the highlights. You know, these are the best of... The society. These are the best of Israel. And so they pick out the best, the nicest looking, the smartest. I don't know if they gave them an aptitude test or what, but they said, these folks, we're gonna, these young people, 16, 17, 18 years old, we're gonna corral them over here, and we're gonna they're smart, and they're gonna be able to learn Chaldean. They're gonna be able to be immersed in the culture of the Babylons, which was horrible. It was a child sacrificing, child murdering culture. Remember what I told you last week? the religions of these nations drove what they were fed the beast of the nation they were a child sacrificing culture so you know this account there they come to daniel and they say here's what you got to eat and we're going to see some funny stuff here in a minute lord willing if i can move along and not get tied up he said you got to eat this you got to eat catfish you got to eat pork sorry catfish lovers pork lovers i'm one you got to eat all these weird things it was weird to them not weird to us today we love it but it was catfish pork all this different stuff barbecue maybe ribs you know stuff that was considered in the law that i'll show you in just a moment that was unclean Don't relax keep eating your catfish keep eating your pork just say a prayer over it as the apostle paul said because <laughs> even paul said it's allowed nowadays we're not under that law anymore but there's some things in there you are going to see you're still not going to want to eat yeah, we'll mention that in a minute <laughs> so they bring this food and they say, you have to eat this food. And Daniel says, no, we're, we're not going to eat it. We, just please feed us with beans and pulse. Just, just a little, just basically vegetarian type stuff. Because that's all they could find there that would comply with the Mosaic law. And the, and the keeper of the prisoners was like, look, I'm going to get in trouble because you guys are going to lose weight. You're going to look awful. And see, he didn't have a clue that this was not acceptable for the Levites or for the Israelites to eat. And of course, you know how it goes there. They eat pulse for 10 days, I think it is. And their flesh shined brighter and more beautiful than any of the other prisoners. And he allowed them to continue to observe their Israelite diet. You say, can the Lord really be concerned about what we eat? <laughs> well, in, in those days, especially under the law, it was a lot stricter. Okay? Which was all pointing to Jesus, by the way. But anyway, look at Jeremiah 23. As we continue this thought about what the problem was. Jeremiah 23 and look at 9. He says... And this is about profaning the things of God. He says, verse 9, My heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man, and like a man whom wine hath overcome because of the Lord and because of the words of His holiness. For the land is full of adulterers, but because of swearing the land mourneth. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and their course is evil, and their force is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. That's really... That's, that, You can almost rhyme that. Both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saying the Lord. Wherefore their ways shall be unto them as slippery ways in the darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein, for I will bring evil upon them, even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. You see, God's charge against the priests was they're they're not making they're not telling the people this is right and this is wrong. And if you've never stood in front of people who had all of these different things going on, maybe good, and all these different things going on, maybe bad, it's, it can be unnerving to stand before people and say, okay, this is wrong and this is right. Some people can get mad. Well, if, if anybody were to get mad at me or upset at me when I've already told you that I love you if they were to get mad or upset at me, then I'm in good company because they got really mad at Jeremiah and they got really mad at Ezekiel for these things. And I am, not, no, I am nowhere near their class, that's for sure. I'm not a prophet. But notice back in Ezekiel 22, the charge was that the priests have profaned my holy things. They put no difference between the holy and the profane and they show no difference between the clean and the unclean. And they also hid their eyes from my Sabbath. The Sabbath back in those days was Saturday, and that was the day of rest. That was the day that was to be ascribed and completely given to the Lord. Now, Ezekiel 23 and verse 37 through 39 is very sad. Listen to what it says there as we just lay the groundwork of what was going on. Ezekiel 23 and verse 37. Y'all forgive me, I'm still turning in my new Bible here. He says, they have committed adultery and blood is in their hands. And with their idols, they have committed adultery and also caused their sons whom they bear unto me to pass for them through the fire to devour them. That was the Old Testament form of abortion. I've described that to you a few weeks ago, how they would murder their children after they were born for the sake of their false god. Moreover, this they have done unto me. They have defiled my sanctuary in the same day and have profaned my Sabbaths. Watch this now. For when they had slain their children to their idols, then they came the same day into my sanctuary to profane it. And lo, thus have they done in the midst of mine house. You see what these people were doing? They were categorizing their lives. And they were saying, well, it's okay for me to do this. Nobody sees me doing this. Or it's okay for me to watch this or to think this. Because nobody sees this. And then I can still go to the temple of God. You know, I can sacrifice my child in the flames of Molech. I still show up in the temple and say, hey, Me and God, you know, we're just like that. And God said, That is profane. That is unclean. Now, where does this come from? Look at Leviticus 10, and we'll show you where some of this comes from. Leviticus can be a kind of a boring book unless you know what's going on in Leviticus, and it's all about the Levites, the law, and what's right, what's wrong, what's holy, what's not holy. And look at Leviticus 10, and we're going to pick up verse 9, and this is talking to the priests. He says, do not drink wine or strong drink thou nor thy sons with thee when you go into the tabernacle of the congregation, lest ye die. That's very clear. It shall be a statute forever through your generations, and that ye may put difference between holy and unholy and between clean and unclean, and that ye may teach the children of Israel all the statutes which the Lord has spoken unto them by the hands of Moses. Now, look in Leviticus, the 18th chapter. We'll just touch on this very quickly because this is not, as I've said many times, this is not a political issue, but I want you to see what God says. Leviticus 18 and 21, he says, Thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech. That's abortion in the Old Testament. Neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. The word profane right there, as I said, it means to dissolve or to wound or to pollute or to devalue from a high place to a lower place. Look at Leviticus 20. As we look at how specific God was about what is holy and what is profane. Clean and unclean what we ought to be ashamed of and what we ought not to be ashamed of. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying again, Thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whosoever he be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech. It's the same subject again. He shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones and I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he hath given of his seed unto Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. You see the subject there? Now look once again back to Leviticus 11. And some of this is a little bit humorous and we need some humor this morning cuz maybe I am being too John Wayneish this morning. But Leviticus 11. And look at the last verse in the chapter verse 47 so you'll know the setting. The whole purpose of that chapter in Leviticus. Look at verse 47. To make a difference between the unclean and the clean, and between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may be not be eaten. So now look back at verse 29 as we caught that verse. He says, These also shall be unclean unto you among the creeping things that creep upon the earth. The weasel and the mouse and the tortoise. Now, in my house you will never sit down and have weasel for supper. Or mouse. As a matter of fact, y'all heard, maybe some of you heard the story of me actually pulling a John Wayne there in the house and shooting a mouse inside the house in the middle of the night. (laughs) Don't tell me I don't love my wife. She hates mice and we're going to get rid of them any way that we can. That thing was driving me crazy. Woke up the whole house though, didn't it guys? (laughs) So anyway, you won't eat weasel and you won't eat mouse at my house or the tortoise you won't eat. What about the ferret and the chameleon? How many of y'all want to have baked lizard for lunch? And the snail, eh? You know, isn't that escargot? Isn't that what they call? You know, the uh, anyway, I'm not. I'm not going to eat that either. <laughs> and the mole; these are unclean among you that creep. <laughs> Whosoever doth touch them when they be dead shall be unclean until the evening. Now, listen. There are some health reasons why he names some of these things. This is not a healthy thing to eat. A lot of times, because of what they eat. It could be very unhealthy. You know, I remember Sister Tracy and I, we lived in Nashville. One of the last things we did before we moved back, we went to, I think it was the Possum Festival or something like that, over in West Tennessee. And all they had was, I'm sorry, you folks that can't stomach anything else, it's all they had was possum. (laughs) Fried possum, baked possum, you know, possum ribs. I mean, it was the Possum Festival. and, And I tried it, it wasn't very good. But, you know, a possum is an unclean animal. Think about what he eats. So listen. God, in a lot of ways, for health reasons, was telling these people, you don't need to eat this, it's not good for you. But if God just in his sovereignty said, I don't like this animal that I made and I like this one, he has the right to do that. <laughs> and he's never wrong. But a lot, most of the time it was for health reasons. Listen, we picked up a lot of rotten, dead chickens on the farm. I don't want to be too graphic. But it never bothered me to to have handfuls of rotten dead chickens and throwing them out and dumping them in a pit as we used to do. Uh, the EPA is listening. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> we used to do that. Now we incinerate them or freeze them or whatever. But when I was a child, you know, young guy, we just and, you know we'd go down to grandmother McCool's and we'd sit down and we'd eat fried chicken for lunch. It didn't bother me. It bothers some people, but it didn't bother me. I didn't. I didn't. This one did not hurt the other for me. But if Grandmother McCool had said, bring me one of those rotten chickens, and I'll fix him up and put potatoes around him and, and onions and, and whatever else, and we'll cook him up and we'll eat him. I'm sorry. I'm, that's the last time I'm going to eat at Grandmother McCool's table. That's nasty, isn't it? Well, who says that a dirty, rotten chicken is not suitable to sit on the table? You've got common sense to know that. Your nose tells you that, right? Oh, that smells terrible. You see? So who... what? What if you just lost that? What if you just lost the ability to tell this rotten chicken does not belong on grandmother's table and you started putting rotten chicken out there? Something within you tells you it might be your health. It might be something within you that says this stinks. You see? How many of you go to the refrigerator and take the milk and you go, well, it's not not good anymore. Now, Sister Tracy and I, we don't have many differences, but that is one little difference that we have. If it's a day before the day it goes out, she's probably going to throw it away or pour it out. If it's seven or eight days after, there's been a time or two when it smelled okay, so I drank it. It doesn't bother me. It bothers her. There's nothing wrong with that. She's got a better sense of clean and unclean than me. (laughs) What in you tells you, I don't want to eat a rotten chicken. I want to eat something that's healthy and good. See, so you've got something natural in you that tells you that. And this is a spiritual matter, you see, to tell you what is clean and what is unclean. So here as we close, pick your issue, pick your issue. Now I'm really fixing to start poking on some hearts. Somebody says I'm not happy in my marriage, so I'm just going to find somebody else. That could be an issue. What does the Word of God say that's clean, unclean, profane, holy? To stick to your covenant. Somebody says, I believe it's okay to legalize marijuana. We say, wait a minute, Brother Tim, that's a political issue. No, it's not. It's not a political issue. It's a biblical issue. The people that promote the legalizing of marijuana will not tell you the psychotic effect that long-term use of marijuana has on an individual. That is a proven study. It's not my opinion. But they won't tell you that. They just say it's one of the lesser drugs. Some of you have tattoos, and I love you. Doesn't change my love for you. But somebody says, well, I'm going to go get a new tattoo. God doesn't say anything about that, does He? Absolutely, He does. Absolutely. You've got to have the courage to ask that question and go to the Word of God and see what it says. It clearly says that. I've had people say, yeah, but you know, the New Testament, everything was off. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus took it to a higher level. Jesus said to look upon a woman... and and lust in your heart or to look upon a man and lust in your heart is committing adultery in your heart if you extrapolate that into the things that you see around you that's overwhelming you may not be able to take a step in life without thinking i'm sinning i'm sinning i'm sinning (laughs) have you ever been there i've been there many times i'm like i can't even take a step and you know what i do i come back to the altar of grace and mercy and i say god help me i need your grace what about what you wear I'm going to show up next Sunday in my Speedo and preach to you. Why are you laughing? If that's my reality, why can't I do that? If it's okay for me in my mind to preach in a Speedo, why are you laughing at me? (laughs) Why do I not show up and preach to you in a Speedo? It's because there's a standard in my mind of what God says I should wear and I should not wear. Young ladies, are you listening to that? It's not about, oh, well, look at what so-and-so's wearing. Dinah said the same thing. Oh, the girls are having so much fun. I'm going to go hang out with them. And her life was ruined forever. See, it's not an issue. I'm just an old fogey, and I think you should cover up. And that's not the issue. The issue is what the Word of God says. The issue is tempting other men and young men because a person shows too much flesh. You see, that's the issue. So it's not old fogey. It's old, ancient of days. Is what it is. When you start asking God whether or not I should do these things, somebody says, well, I think we'll just live together before marriage. We'll try it out. Ask God that question before you do that, because the Lord says it won't work out if you do that. Now, some of you are sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, Brother Tim's hit all my issues. He's on my side. What about interracial marriage? You say, well, Brother Tim's on our side on that one. I'm on God's side. And there's absolutely nothing in God's Word that says there can be no interracial marriage. The Word of God does say, however, that there is a strict prohibition on intercultural marriage. It's not interracial. By the way, there's only one race, and it comes from Adam. We're of one blood. That's a misnomer even. So have I sufficiently stepped on enough toes? This is a toe-stepping message this morning. What about your favorite TV show? Many of you, I know, and I did a time or two, watched The Duggers you know, 19 and counting or whatever. And nothing grieves my heart more than to turn on the TV or see something flash across my news. Talks about the, the, just the fall of that family. And you know, back whenever it was first on in my mind, I would have sounded like a meanie. Don't say that brother Tim, you're being mean spirited. We're glad something good like that is on. I want something good to be on too. But in my mind, I said, trouble's coming, trouble's coming. And look at it today. It's a joke. If you ever get in your mind and think, well, you know, maybe we could get a YouTube channel or maybe I could put my family out there and prostitute my family in front of a wicked nation. Come talk to me first. (laughs) Sister Abigail was telling me, she said, Daddy, I want you to look at this YouTube channel or something. This young lady and this young family, nice looking young man, nice looking young woman, and they're living out in the woods and they don't have any electricity. They don't have this. They don't have that. I still wonder where they're charging their phone at though. Because everything they do is on the phone, and you see it here. They are again. It looks wonderful. You know they're eating bark off the tree, and they're you know they're baking pine straw, and they're doing all this stuff. And it, oh, I wish I could be that way. And all they're doing is vying for a YouTube channel. That's all they're looking for. Prostituting their family. You know, I heard the old saying: the devil's in the details. You better be careful. If you can go through this life and pass out of this world never having been in the limelight like that and been destroyed by popularity, then you're going to pass off in life as 99.9999% of society has and God's people have. (laughs) But you'll be special to the people around you as you are special to me. Lay down your issue before the Word of God. What are you going to come up with? Ezekiel 44 and 23, it says, I will raise me up priests that shall teach my people the difference between the holy and the profane, cause them to discern between the unclean and the unclean, and in controversy they shall stand in judgment, and they shall judge it according to my judgments, and they shall keep my laws and my statutes and all mine assemblies, and they shall hallow my Sabbaths. As we close, remember that list I told you I want you to keep? I want to make a little adjustment on it. I want you to keep that list the first week about you, about you. Not about the TV show, not about what's coming on Facebook, but about what I am doing and what I am thinking. That's Matthew 7, by the way. He says, Judge not that you be not judged. Start the judgment of what is holy and what is profane with number one right here. Start it with yourself. It'd be very legalistic to go and start marking everything that's unclean and profane. Start with yourself. Clean out that which is right here in your vessel first and then you will be a suitable vessel to be able to clean out anything that you ever see around you. (laughs) I left off one little phrase, didn't I, Brother Furman? I know you caught it when I read that verse that you love, Jeremiah 6 and 16, where he says, Stand in the way, ask for the old pass. There's one little sentence that I left off. But they said, we will not walk therein. Child of grace, will that be you? Will you hear the preaching of the Word of God and see what's holy and see what's profane? Make the list in your life and say, this is unholy. This is holy. This is profane. This is holy. This is clean. This is unclean. They said, we will not. We refuse to follow that which God says is good for you, right for you, and glorifying to Him. (laughs) I can't get this out of my head. Brother Grady will just have to forgive me. But several years ago, we were playing, Would You Rather? Y'all ever played that game? Sister Lila and I played it a few weeks ago hunting. Would you rather, you know, this happen to you or do this? So as we were playing that game, and this ties into what's holy and what's profane. Brother Grady doesn't talk like this anymore, but I got to make it sound like he sounded at the time. He was about four. And he said, he said, would you wadder be won over by a truck or be (laughs) necking? And I thought about that for a little bit. I was like, hmm that's a pretty tough one. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad I'm leaving y'all with a laugh. I had to think on that one. And Brother Grady, without hesitation, he said, I would rather be run over by a truck. (laughs) 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 Brother Grady, I think I would too. But I don't think everybody in our culture and our society agrees with that. There's so many issues that you can bring before the Lord and lay down And you might find yourself laughing at yourself. If you find yourself mad at me, take a breath before you call me. (laughs) And look in the mirror. So, Why am I angry? Why am I mad? Maybe I need to be run over by a truck. (laughs) Maybe the truck of grace will plow you down until there's nothing left but just to look up and say, Lord, help me. Help me with my issue. Whatever issue we've named here and thousands of other issues. Lord, help me. I hope and pray that you know that I love you. Every single one of you. Visitor, regular, not so regular, whoever you may be, I love you. Nobody can take that away. I love you. And I'm going to tell you what, I love the glory of God. And to see the glory of God imposed and flowing through your life is a beautiful thing. May the Lord bless you this morning. If there's one or more here that would like to follow the Lord at New Testament baptism, we give you that opportunity as we stand and sing.